0: welcome to vibe talk awaken i'm your host vibe queen on the show we will get to know artists entrepreneurs and coaches living life and their truth after experiencing an awakening we'll talk about their journey wisdom and any tools they've learned along their path thank you so much for being here Hello and welcome to another episode of Vibe Talk Awaken. I am your host, Vibe Queen. And today I'm super excited to have a guest that I met in a clubhouse room that is like my new uh, safe haven. And that's Kat Nyambi. She's also known as the hungry medium. So I'm going to Talk a little bit about her before we welcome her on. So, the hungry medium thinks of herself as a spiritual activist, using her mediumship to help others find direction, clarity, and focus in their lives. The goal is to help you help yourself by tapping into your own power to provide, solve, and to work towards achieving actionable goals. You will feel more empowered to design a life shaped by you and endorsed by the soul so beautifully written. I love it. Welcome. How are you
1: feeling? I'm feeling well. That took a couple of tries, trust me, to get that just right.
0: That has been changed
1: many times, but I think it's okay because everything is evolving. Everything, every day is evolving
0: absolutely every single episode we start off with the million dollar question what awakened you so i would love to hear what got you on the spiritual path
1: and where you are today in that journey thank you tamisha first of all for having me on your podcast and here on this video i'm excited to talk about this so i appreciate it didn't take long for us to connect sometimes it takes a really long time for people to connect we did this in no time so that speaks a lot to how spirit works in our lives as people. And I'd have to say that my awakening occurred in the same kind of way because I had been around this tradition called uh, Yoruba. It's an, it's an We worship Orisha. Orisha are deities that represent nature in many ways. But if you think of, I just wanted to give you a background before I told you what the awakening was. But if you think of, how some people's concept of how we come to this earth, it's like an agreement you make before you're born. So on my trip, this iteration, Orisha decided to come along for the trip and be a part of my life, if that makes sense. The spiritual awakening, though, didn't happen until I was in my 40s. So I had always been surrounded by this tradition right? That comes from West Africa, comes from Nigeria. But during the Middle Passage, it became something else in different parts of the world throughout the diaspora, right? In South America, it became Candomblé in parts of, you could even say, some might beg to differ, but in Haiti, it becomes Voodoo. In Cuba, it becomes Santeria, And then when it came from Cuba to the United States, it becomes Lukumi. So it's all rooted in Yoruba, but everything in different ways, the way that we were enslaved as Africans made this tradition manifest in different ways. And I call it a tradition instead of a religion, because it's really about where your people come from and the traditions and the the uh, spiritual rituals that they do, if that makes sense. So being surrounded around this religion all my life, because uh, my best friend's family was worshiping in this way, but I was in church, Hmm. but I was always surrounded by it and the people involved in it. But the awakening didn't occur until I was involved in the religion, in the tradition, And you would think that's when your spiritual awakening occurs. When you finally find home, you find your family. It didn't happen for me until I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. In 2012. Goodness.
0: And so was it like, did you hit a rock bottom? Was it a feeling of, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to die. Or was it a test of your faith? Like how did that unfold? No.
1: No, it was actually the moment where I became the most faithful and, Maybe the awakening was there, but maybe the question I would say is, when did I notice my spiritual awakening?
0: That's a great (laughs) point.
1: It could be different. And I think that the cancer diagnosis was when I noticed the awakening, because I was just like, okay, what are we doing? You get the news, the doctor tells you this, and I was just like, okay, and now what do we do? In fact, I had to entertain a client that night that I got the diagnosis. Entertain. When I entertain clients, I took them out on the town. Into the village to listen to live music and to party and to get down. And I still went. Interesting. So still showed up. I showed up. I partied. I wasn't in denial. There were moments in the club where I was just like, I would drift off for a moment. Then I came right back. The problem with being this way, though, there's a downside to this. Your family doesn't necessarily handle the news the same way. It's almost like they're more upset than you. They are and I don't and the crazy part about me in this awakening, I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice. I think they were having their thing, my daughters who were teenagers at the time. I think I found out later that they were they were crying. I don't I didn't cry one single time. I had stage 2 breast cancer. I had to get uh, breast surgery. I had to get lymph nodes removed, all of them. I had to go through chemotherapy, radiation, and I didn't cry
0: once. Wow. So when did you notice that was an awakening? Like, when did you recognize the term? Because I remember when I first experienced it, I didn't know there was a term for it. So how did you make that connection?
1: So this is what I battle with all the time, Tamisha, is that I I always try to follow the rules. And I noticed when I was going through all of this is going to sound crazy. So I just need you to bear with me, okay? The awakening for me usually has to do with my fortune. <laughs> my money. I know this is gonna sound bad, but I've gone through a lot of hard times. No judgment. A lot of hard times. And when I was diagnosed with the cancer, I was finished, I had finished, I worked for a really good job. And they, when it was time for me to go back, they wanted to let me go. Wow. And that turned into a nice little piece of money. When you try to fire a woman who's trying to come back to work after and the money came at the most miraculous time in my life Hmm. because it allowed me to rest more. I didn't have to worry. Can you imagine going through breast cancer procedures and all you could think about is your job? You're in if I was worried about anything. Yeah. If anything, I was worried about my livelihood, but Orisha took care of me. Spirit took care of me. My ancestors took care of me. To me, my awakening is always going to be around their existence and their work in my life. I also have battled because I don't want to seem like the crazy person. It's really hard to decide whether you want to stay awakened in the stereotypical way that people think awakening means. And once I realized that I don't give a shit, I'm going to be this way. I'm going to be who I am. I'm also, sometimes you have to let go of people. You have to let go of people you love. Because part of the awakening that certain energies don't always align.
0: Yeah, very true. That's quite a story. It's very similar to mine. It was after my bankruptcy that slowly Mm. got the ball rolling after I, I got divorced. So I'm just taking it in that it can be an illness. It can be either losing all your money or gaining all your money. And something yes, that yes. Um, that really stands out is, yeah, when your body is in stress, in survival mode of how am I going to put food on the table, my livelihood, there is no room to be present, which is an awakening state, if you will. So that's all yes. very interesting. So yeah. what was the biggest shift for you once you were able to rest and be more present and, I guess, become awakened? Was that when you decided to start your own, I guess, your your own practice as a spiritual coach or what
1: happened? So I I was on the road to being initiated and initiation is a big deal in this tradition, Yoruba tradition. It's a big deal. And I'll just say that I didn't have the means (laughs) to be initiated And so people always say to me, we talk about cancer, and I don't want to belittle the horror of cancer. My mother died of pancreatic cancer. I've had people in my family die of cancer. But for me, the cancer was a turning point because of the misstep that the employer had made. So it afforded me the opportunity to initiate in a way that I always felt was one of the best ways one could initiate without having to have financial worry. So that initiation itself is a metaphysical change, right? It's a lifelong, it's a, a year-long commitment. Obviously a lifelong commitment, but it's a year-long commitment in the initiation. And I had one of the best years of my life in, in that time. So that was a big shift for me. That was a huge shift in my life. I think many people could relate to it in a way that you become one, you become better understood, you become a member of a community. All of these things shifted right after the cancer. Just major shifts and changes in my life. My daughters were older. I didn't have to worry about the stress of raising little children during that time so also there was a sense of gratitude that grew during that time so it's very recent it it is and it definitely is tied to the work that i've done spiritually not only with orisha but with my ancestor work lots of ancestor veneration work and getting in touch with your spirit guides all of that together is this tradition is all about all of those things
0: wow that makes a lot of sense. Have I had another question. I wanted to shift the conversation, but now I well, want now you just piqued my curiosity because you had mentioned how your tradition as you call it has taken on different names and forms and one that you mentioned that I feel like has been very much glamorized. You mentioned voodoo. And so I yeah, always yeah. had the I always had the belief that it doesn't work unless you believe in it. I don't even know where I picked that up from or if that if there's any truth to it. But that was always my understanding when it came to magic, voodoo, spells. Uh, voodoo? So that was always yes, my understanding, if so you don't what? believe in it, then it doesn't work. That it wouldn't work. So I would love to ask you if there's any truth
1: behind that or yeah, I'm just curious. All right. I'm going to bounce it back to you and ask you what do you mean by work?
0: For example, if somebody says, oh, I'm going to curse you, or I'm going to put a a love spell on you. And before I was quote unquote awakened, I definitely felt like part of me was like, ah, that's BS. I don't really believe in that. But then there was a little part of me that felt like maybe it does work, but it's in the eye of the beholder. Like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Who are we to say you're pretty, you're not. It's dependent on the person. So I always felt maybe if you put belief and faith in it behind it, then yeah, you're going to attract those circumstances because you believe it. It becomes your reality. Whereas if you just dismiss it and you're like, no, I'm protected, you're trying to curse me, but I'm protected, it's just going to bounce back. It's all in, in the matter of your faith and what you believe in. So that's my mindset. And I have no idea if it's true or not. And so you seem very well versed in this, obviously, this is your tradition. So I'm just curious to hear your perspective on that. Does it have power in and of itself If a person doesn't believe in it,
1: if that makes sense. It depends on the parties that you're speaking of. I don't want to focus on curses and things like that, but if you want to take away a negative aspect of what I'm about to tell you, fine, dandy, right? Let's talk about it in the way of manifestation and intent, Okay. or should I say intent and manifestation that... The magic you can build and manifest and create in your own life, that's real. That's real. And that is really the reason why I didn't want to focus on the negative because one of the key tenants in our religion is something called Ewepele, and that's good character. That is the tenet. Good character. So when we think about what we want done in this world it's oh, it's my belief that if we walk our own path making magic occur in our own lives that's nothing but cre- it's a collective creating a benefit for the world you understand mm-hmm. if we all are following our Earth's mission, mission to Mars, mission to Earth. We're here mission to Earth. If we're all following that mission, it should be with good character and therefore will help electrify and elevate the energy and electricity and the magic that will help elevate the vibration of the entire world. And that's all I care about. That's all I care about. Do I believe it? Yes. (laughs) I love that was a fantastic answer and
0: I really appreciate it. And so, yeah, that was great. I love the pivot. That was fantastic. Yeah. And I believe manifestation is very true and I've seen it in my own life and ultimately being able to take charge of your own life, I think is super powerful. And that has been a blessing in my own circumstance, which I think is pretty awesome. So I wanted to ask you about something that i get mixed reviews on when i talk to people about it and so i know you've uh written about it and that's cannabis you seem quite passionate Mm -hmm. about the topic so Mm -hmm. can you explain to me your relationship and connection to the plant and just your overall view on it talk
1: about an awakening talk about clubhouse okay okay This is a different kind of awakening. I have always been surrounded by marijuana, but not like in my home. No way. Always when I would go uh, visit family. As I got older, in high school, my friends were all smoking. And then by the senior year, 16 years old, senior trip, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have a (laughs) puff. And it was always around me that I lasted. I grew up in the projects, Fort Greene projects in Brooklyn. And come on. And you would go to 42nd Street to the movies or the movie theater downtown. It's all throughout. Oh, yeah. And And it's stigmatized. Stigmatized by so many groups. I can't even begin to name the number of groups that have stigmatized us even among us black people of color. So I've always, I've smoked since then. Obviously I didn't, I had a couple of breaks here and there with my kids. Now I regret it because now I'm hearing all these moms talking about how they smoke and everything. And I'm like, it wasn't until I came onto clubhouse and I came on the clubhouse to looking at the spirituality rooms. I said, oh yeah, I'm going to go in the spirituality room. I'm going to... I went into a cannabis room one day, just thought it was a room to chill out, smoke, and just people talking. Right. And yes, it was. But it was a lot of people from the business side. Really? And I was like, what's going on here? (laughs) Oh, it was all these people and people of color from all over the country just talking about their marijuana businesses and licensing and dispensaries and legalization. And it was incredible. And I learned so much about the plant spiritually. I always knew there was a connection, but when they start talking about our health and our endocannabinoid system, I knew nothing. I didn't know what these words were. I didn't know that our bodies need the nutrients that this plant offers. I didn't know any of this. I just wow. knew you get high. And I know people would always say, oh, it's good for you. It's good for you. I'm like, how? <laughs> no one's saying how. Right. Magic. But now yeah. I know. And yes, magic. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's so fascinating. So yeah, that's it, when it I was had definitely my stigmatized. It is.
0: Yeah. No, I, I wasn't really around it. Yeah, I should take that back. I was around it. It was legal. I, w- I grew up in the Netherlands. So it's, it's weed is legal. So I grew up, I, I was around it like alcohol. It, it wasn't even a second thought to me. So it wasn't something that was exciting because it was legal. And I grew up in that right. country until I was 14. And I remember my uncles yeah. would smoke it on Wednesdays. I wasn't allowed to go in the room. I smelled it, but it was part of my childhood, but it wasn't But it was still
1: stigmatized?
0: Yeah. It was still stigmatized. It was stigmatized in America. So when I came to the United States, it was like, oh, those are the potheads over there. They're lazy. They don't do this, that. So for me, my journey when it comes to marijuana, when I was 19, I had my first seizure. And so I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And I know that cannabis has a connection in that world. And I was curious, but... I was very much, "Ah, I don't know, I I, I don't want to really mess with that. And so it wasn't until I had another seizure about four years ago, that a friend of mine, this was after my divorce, and I was in a pretty rock bottom place, recommended cannabis, you really need to smoke, you're so stressed out, you're high strong, that's probably why you're having these seizures. And this was before my awakening. And I, I tried it. And my life just completely drastically changed. I was like, wow, I really should have known about this since I was 19. And tried it 10 years previous but right there. Yeah. So it, right it drastically the changed my life.
1: Oh, it's been, that's it's been amazing. I love hearing stories like that. And, and even to take it even further, there are specific strains that are good for epilepsy and seizures. There are all the science behind it. From what I understand, because I'm not an expert, the experts don't want you talking like an expert. So I always (laughs) like to preface it by saying, I'm not an expert, but there are strains that can um, be used for this. And the, the best research from what I understand is in Israel that's going on. They've been ahead of the game for so long. Because I don't know if you know the history of when this plant was became a demon. They started demonizing this plant in the 30s because they saw that hemp, which is the, don't get me started. It's a part of the plant. This might be the male part, but this is where you get CBD from versus the THC. Got it. So hemp was actually a competitor to the paper mill industry, to the buildings industry, to alcohol and tobacco industry. Hmm. So you know what they did? No, So they had to find a villain to get rid of this plant. So they started a propaganda campaign against this plant in the United States. And who were the targets of that campaign? Black and brown people. Hmm. That's why it's called marijuana because they want to attach it to the Mexicans. Interesting. I did not know that. This is real. This is not some conspiracy shit, I'm telling you. Wow. And they can watch this movie called Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. You watch this. There's a Fab Five Freddy did a a movie. What made me mad about cannabis, like my thing that was making me so mad was all the people that were in jail over this plant. And then now you're going to legalize it. And those people are still in jail. I agree. Yeah. So that's what made me angry. And then you get in these rooms and you get even more angry. I decided I'm going to link the two. (laughs) Where does the spiritual aspect come? It could just come from smoking it. How do you feel after you smoke it? Oh, you're asking me.
0: Okay, I I thought it was rhetorical. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm very intentional with it. For me, it helps me not only relax and reduce my stress, which my stress is pretty low these days, but it helps me to just look at things differently. Look at all perspectives. Obviously it it feels relaxing. It feels good, but it also just really allows me to become more creative and open. My heart opens up. Yeah. That's probably exactly. the gist of it. Yeah. Yeah. But can, I really think it's use- about your intention.
1: Absolutely. You can hear the source and the soul. You can hear what you want. You just have to find the right one for you the right way to receive it and you don't it doesn't have to be the thc it could be cbd is so healing as well there's a lot of aspects of this plant that spiritualists we as mediums could really use in our modalities yeah i
0: mean i think when it comes to any kind of drug whether it's a psychedelic plant medicine Everything is about intention. Are you just doing it to do it? Or what are you trying to get out of it? At least that's for me the case. And then also the moment I feel like I can't function without it. Yes. Then I know there's an issue.
1: You sound just like me.
0: Yeah. And so when that arises, then it's okay, wait a minute. And I can. I need to stop myself or take a break. And that hasn't really happened with cannabis. However, it's happened with alcohol. And I stopped drinking completely six months ago. Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. no longer feel the need to, which I'm not saying I'll never have a drink again. I'm, Absolutely. I don't know. However, I yeah. just don't really feel called to, but I also know people that have taken five, 10, 15 ayahuasca trips and it's, they're still chasing something. And so it's, is that really beneficial? Yeah. So I'm all about yeah, yeah intention and what are you getting out of it? And it, it exactly. can be tempting to fall into the trap of trying to chase enlightenment or chase high, uh, aha, versus just, I don't know. So, just being, yeah. honey. Just being. So I'm I'm curious what brought you, what got you onto the the road to what you're doing now? I know you have spiritual consultations with people, you pull cards. Yes. Like what got you on this career path from where you were previously now? <laughs> well, I
1: got here kicking and screaming because just similar to the cannabis story. Closeted cannabis smoker, but I'm also a closeted spiritualist. Because I had to hide the gift. I hid it from myself, goddammit, for how many years? My group as a child, I'm right now just trying to really dig back into the memory banks and really focus on childhood memories that I may have constructed differently than what really went down. Just to protect myself. And nothing, nothing trauma-related, nothing that I don't want to talk about. It's just that I don't even know what it is. But I do know that at one point I was young and I had an imaginary friend. And But I realized in doing the math, when you're thinking back, that I was eight years old and she was still my imaginary friend. And I also remember back to my dad when I was really little, giving me a book and the title of the book was TACT and big letters, T-A-C-T, TACT. And I was like, what's this? I don't know. And then recently I asked my sisters, my sister is like 19 years older than me, 18, 19 years older. And I asked her recently, what was I like as a child? Because both my parents are gone in my 20s. So I'm fortunate and blessed enough to be able to ask a person who was an adult when I was born. wow. I said, what was I like? And she lived with me. She was like my other mother. And she started talking to me. She's in her 70s now. She started talking to me. And I said, it was fascinating to hear what sounds to me as someone with experience as a spiritualist child. What she was describing was a child who had spiritual gifts. I know the signs. And I lost it because I went to the church. I was always fascinated by the people who were getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I was like, all the other kids are laughing. And I'm like, I'm into it, you know what I mean? But somewhere along the way, even though I was surrounded by this tradition and I feel like they were there to protect me. Like whenever you're ready, baby, we're right here. You know what I mean? Do the church thing, honey. Do those stupid people trying to get you to do this, that, and the other. But one day, you're going to make it back. So they got me back here. And the path, is, the story could not be told to you here. It's just wild. It's, it's wild. And I talk a little bit about it in the journal article I wrote, Spiritual Activism, because I went to a school that was... Oh, it was, it's a mixed bag. I can't even describe it. I didn't go to public school growing up, but it was run by Pan-African nationalists. Young. Imagine if the Black Panthers, which they did, had a school, but this was here in Brooklyn run by young college students. Wow. And they wanted to teach us all about Black history and where we came from. And it was amazing. But yet these same people were also the people that were involved in the tradition because in in their own discoveries, imagine yourself being in the 70s, in the movement here in New York City. And you are so uh, motivated to to educate the youth. So you find a leader who has early childhood experience and you build a school. There's some good things to talk about this school. There's some not so good things but without it all i wouldn't be where i am kicking and screaming part came because now i'm a teenager i don't i'm a spiritualist uh, now i'm a grown woman and i'm with a man who wouldn't who's from the islands wouldn't dare let me do anything that looked anywhere near woo woo there's that stigma again and then i had my own Ideas of what I'm doing. Even when I got involved, I was still like, that's weird. That's weird. But eventually, through the work you do with your guides and protectors and ancestors, they start telling you, these spirits, that you're on the right path. They start telling you, who cares what anybody else thinks? They start telling you it's time to follow your path. So your guides are telling you this, but you don't know what your path is. There's an elder in my community. Every time we would have a spiritual meeting, he would be like, when are you going to start your own business doing this? When are you going to be reading people? I said, I read people sometimes. He goes, do you charge them? (laughs) This is his spirit. Okay. this spirit talking through him. I was like, no. So then the next time he sees me same spirit comes through, what you been doing next time it's over and over again, being read by an elder in a community that I said, I got to do this. And something more important than that happened too, Tamisha. I began to feel worthy enough to do this. That, that was the, icing on the cake once i realized that i am worthy to do this work there's humbleness but then there's worthiness Mm. that's a quote you can do both it's called the paradox this is where that word selfishness versus selfless, selfish versus self something. This is the same kind of thing. You can be humble and worthy at the same time. Yes, yes, yes. As soon as you- <laughs> what I needed to hear. It, <laughs> as soon as you start to feel worthy, your mind, something goes boop. I say your mindset shifts. Yeah. It goes like this, boop. Why not? I could have just answered your question with why not. But you wouldn't have heard that I was the person who was like, I can't charge people money for this. Now you know what I say? I say my spirit guides, they like nice things. I don't eat meat, (laughs) but I can buy them a ribeye steak every once in a while. I can afford a ribeye steak. They like nice things. They like nice cigars. (laughs) They like good liquor. They like good food. My Arishas like nice adornments. Adorn. And they want me to have nice things. So it's okay. It's okay. I love it. I think it's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. You think Sometimes your sisters we... don't want you to have nice things?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just the way you deliver it. Sometimes we hear the same message over and over again, but we have to hear it from a different perspective or said in a different way. It's almost like hearing from someone, it's okay to want nice things. Because it's one thing to say, you can be worthy and humble and right. But then to really just say, no, it's okay. Because I think there's a stigma in the spiritual community of, if this is your gift, you should give it away. You shouldn't charge for it. Or if you're going to host meditations or things that I do, it's like, you can't charge for that. Aren't you supposed to just give it to the community? If you're called to do that? And it's, we're all coaches. We're all gifted in one way or another, whether it's the CEO of a company or you're good at strategizing or marketing. What's, how is this any different? You pay for a personal trainer to get your body in shape. So why can't you pay for a meditation coach to get your mind right?
1: And there are people out there who understand that. And I'm not talking about the practitioners. I'm talking about people who are trying to get their lives in check. They understand the value. The way that I offset it, though, because I just can't just do that, Mm -hmm. is I do rooms, clubhouse rooms, where you can give me a tip. That's community work. The yoga studios, they got their big time yoga, and then they do community room. I think that's where you talk about the balance. And there are times that I see people in need, and I give them a coupon code for a free reading. You see what I'm saying? it you there's that balance again there's that good character again you know what i mean it all comes back you said something though it's the balance because sometimes
0: we can become extreme we can become extreme with our oh i just want to give and i'm humble and i don't want to charge no i don't want to we can't sit in our feminine energy is what i like to call it and receive so that's one extreme and then you have the other extreme of the spiritual ego is what I mm-hmm. call it. And it mm-hmm. becomes almost oh, I know. And it just becomes about the money and growing your empire. So there's that, there's yeah, there's extreme. Could you share yes. with us if you've ever been in either of those extremes?
1: Or what like oh, how, how do you one- stay balanced? Oh, I was in the one where I wanted to give free readings all the time. I was there just a while ago. You could ask um any of my close friends who helped to open my eyes along with the spirit who kept gnawing at me. I also had to find, but the the way that I tried to say that was the way to be was I said, you know what, like you said, this is a gift that was given to me and I should be helping others. And yes, I was there, but also I started using an excuse by saying, my guides need to be exercised. So I'm just going to exercise them and give people free, just making stupid shit up. I was there for a long time. I was on that spectrum in regards to, it's not like I just woke up one day and said, oh, I'm going to do readings and I'm going to charge people. It went from, sure, I'll do readings. Sure. (laughs) And now I've, I really, the way that I found the midpoint is not by necessarily calling it readings per se. I really just started calling them conversations because trust and believe I've been around many of folks who are having conversations with me. And next thing I know they leave fully fulfilled because they just got a reading through a casual conversation. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? It just became very natural. So what it's structured like now is a conversation. Yes, you're going to get a reading, trust and believe. It's going to be formal to a degree, but I feel better that it's more relaxed. And it's just, you're just talking to your auntie or your sis or your grandma now. You know what I mean? That's how I came to the middle. That it doesn't have to be so, it doesn't have to appear so transactional.
0: Yeah, it's probably how you get people's guard to come down as well.
1: You need that when you're reading someone, trust me.
0: That's a really good point. No, I just, you're sharing and I just had so many like little epiphanies when I'm having these deep conversations with friends and people and they'll ask me a question and I'll just tell them what I'm feeling or and, and vice versa as well. I never considered that as a, as a modality
1: for a reading. They get more out of it. They're like, whoa, what was that? Was That was deep. And I'm somebody they don't mm-hmm. know. But it's not like you're having a conversation with a good friend. You're like, that yeah, friend is just I, I putting agree. all of their personal energy into this conversation. Like, I don't know you.
0: <laughs> Very true. So I want to shift gears a little bit and because you have in your bio that you are a part time conspiracy theorist and I know we don't know each other that for that long. However, I went through the spiritual, uh, not spiritual, the conspiracy theory rabbit hole. And I was there for about a good six months. I even wrote a 10-part blog series called Take the Red Pill. I was very dedicated. I probably spent close to 50 hours writing it. I I'm need not to read. Kidding. Is this
1: something to watch? Uh, it is. I want to watch that. It is. Oh,
0: my goodness. I wanna it's watch so that. funny. I would love it. Yeah. I so think we spoke about it. I think we may have. So, yeah, I wrote a blog and then I did a two-part uh, podcast, which I never actually published but I can send it to you. It's on YouTube, but I, I made it private. It's not I am it. It's not that I'm embarrassed or ashamed. It's just, you know what it is? And I'm sharing it now on the podcast, so it is what it is. But it's just, I feel like my my headspace is no longer there because I became, just like how I mentioned with, once I recognize something is an addiction or I'm doing it for not an, an, a motive I'm not proud of, I have to step back and step away. And that's what that became for me. It became me feeling like oh my gosh i've awakened to the truth the matrix the red pill and so i fell into this trap of having to wanting to wake other people up and so the more people would talk to me and the stuff i was sharing on my social media especially with the election and politics and all of that stuff and the documentaries that were coming out and the pandemic First off, I lost it. It. Uh, first off, I lost so many friends. I got into it with so many family members because they didn't agree with the things that I was finding. So then it inspired me. Okay, if I write a blog post and I cite my sources and it's organized, then I can just send that to people. And so it became my mission. And then I was like, oh, not everybody's going to want to read. I can write out my thoughts. But the trap I fell into is that it consumed me and I was still coming from judgment. And as much as I believe, yes, there's people out there that are quote unquote, we call it evil or do bad things I don't agree with. We're all one ultimately, but I didn't really have that mindset. I still looked at the world very dualistically, very separate, very much. You're bad. I'm good. I'm the light worker. I'm the one spreading the truth. (laughs) And so once I shifted out of that mindset and that actually happened through a breathwork workshop where I was like crying and it was crazy experience. But after that breathwork workshop is like when I my heart opened up and I just felt nothing but love for everyone. And I saw everyone Mm. in everyone. It was crazy. I saw myself in everyone, which lasted for about Mm. two weeks. So Mm. it was crazy. I just was like, I need to, I can't, I'm not about the red pill anymore. And my opinions haven't necessarily changed. It's not like I think those things aren't true anymore. It's just they don't bother me. And I don't feel this need to push my opinion on people you agree. Great. You don't great. You have this view on the world. That's fine. I have this view. You're that political affiliation. Fine. It is what I believe. But at the end of the day, I don't really doesn't matter because we're all interconnected. So it's just a movie in a sense. It's like, Focus on you. What are you doing for yes. you? So yes. that was a very long
1: question. No, for I'm you, glad you told me that. What's your because point of view? I went through the same, almost the same exact thing. And the awakening from that spiral. Now, don't get me wrong, my kids and my family know all my conspiracy theories, right? <laughs> it happened in Clubhouse because Clubhouse had all these conspiracy theory rooms. And I, uh, so it was okay. spiritual rooms and then it was the cannabis rooms. And then at another level, conspiracy theory rooms. And this is why I call myself part-time because I figured out how to cut it. Okay. Cause I had worked myself into it in a tizzy last summer when they had, are you in Brooklyn? Where do you live? I was in Brooklyn for two years. I moved to Chicago two years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. There were these I call them firecracker bombs. This is the firecracker bomb conspiracy. I'm not going to get into it, but it was, I coined it firecracker bombs. Okay. Then this thing clubhouse comes out and I now have a chance to go up on stage and tell everyone about the firecracker bomb conspiracy theory. It's a good thing. I wasn't on clubhouse then. Oh my God. They still have them, but you don't see them that much. And I couldn't wait and back in the day, I also used to be on stage and like, when is it my turn? When is it my turn? I wanna talk. And so finally, I get to explain my conspiracy theory and one of the head honcho conspiracy guys at the top, he totally knocks down my conspiracy. And my ego was like, are you kidding me? This is my tribe. I'm in the middle of my tribe and you guys are knocking my theory on firecracker bombs, after that, I was like, Kateria, calm <laughs> the fuck down. <laughs> None of this matters. It's yeah. ego. Now You could believe that conspiracy theory if you want. Why do you feel that you have to tell everybody, see, d- who wants to be right with these conspiracy theories? I don't want to be right.
0: such a good point. I love how you put it that way. You can believe it or not. That's really irrelevant. It's the pushing of, I have to be right. Oh, look, I convince you that I'm right. That's all ego. And then you mix in spirituality with it. Ooh, it's dangerous. And that's exactly where I was, because then it's a competition of the wokeness and who's more woke than And it's y'all both in your ego. You're both not awakened because you're you're competing. It defeats the whole purpose. And it's interesting because I was following so many conspiracy theorist accounts and spiritual accounts. And then there were a few, there were a handful of spiritual accounts that never bought into that. They kept their messaging very. I don't want to say neutral, you could tell where where their stand was, but they never allowed it to overtake them. And they still just spoke from their source. And it was very loving. And I always admired those people. And I I kept following those people. And I knew there was a part of me that was like, wow, they never segregated, for lack of better words, their audience, because they're still just being true to love. And I was grossed out with myself, because I'm like, I'm not coming from love with this blog because I'm judging all these people I'm putting on blast in a way, or, or the conspiracy theories that I'm finding out or whatever. It's still judgment. So as much as I want to wake people up and share this knowledge, and again, I don't regret anything. It's that's part of your journey.
1: Is it coming yeah, from I love? I was going to say that. I was going to say that. Yes. It was coming from ego. It had
0: to happen. <laughs> so, it had to it happen. Had it was part happen. of the part of the journey. And And, it's part part of the journey. Exactly. And I was going to say there's a, a couple of people I got the privilege of speaking to and they shared with me that in the beginning of their journey, they went through that too. They went through a conspiracy theory phase too. It's just they don't show that anymore publicly because it happened so long ago. My awakening is so new. And I just had that, what, four months ago. So it's still so new to me. For them, a lot of people had their awakening in 2012. Some people went through the conspiracy theory after 9/11. So, it's you're not going to see that on their social media because they've already put that past them. They're they're on this path so much yes. longer.
1: Oh, the memes I could post, the memes, the videos, the oh, but I won't. And it takes a lot. I tell my daughters, "You know what? I don't tell you half of what I really think." Interesting. Interesting. Wow. One
0: thing I want to read out loud really quick before we wrap up this interview, because we're about to hit the hour mark soon. And it's really how we connected. And it's through Clubhouse, which is probably one of my favorite platforms right now. And Ryan J. Burton and I, he hosts a podcast as well called After Awakening. Him and I have been hosting that room just talking about spirituality and meditation for about a month. Yes. And we would have maybe three people come, four people come. And that's fine. I love the small rooms. We can really get into deep conversation. So Ryan came up with the idea. Let's do it at night. He came up with the title, Spiritual Awakening, Signs and Symptoms. And the room has now been going on for 24 hours straight since its inception last Monday. It's still going on to this date. No. It has not ended. Just amazing. (gasps) That's the room
1: where we met.
0: That's the room where we met. Yeah. So I just wanted to highlight that because- it's just been incredible and beautiful. And there's no rules. There's nobody in charge of moderating. There's nobody on a schedule. There is no obligation or pressure to keep the room going. I've even said in the room, if it ends, like you don't, I will just go to bed. Ryan will go to sleep. We'll wake up and it's still going. So people have, it's just become its own organism. It's so beautiful. And I just want to read I'm a right.
1: quote. There. Yeah. I All want to right.
0: read it because it was on your blog. And it actually encompasses what quite a few people have said about our room. But honestly, I feel like this is clubhouse in general. So you wrote, when you enter a room, you're really entering a vortex. Yes, a vortex, another dimension. You can literally feel a shift in the energy depending on the topic at hand and who was talking on the stage. It's a sensory experience. You're really great with your words. But that really, you are. That really is like a summary of clubhouse, but really yeah. our room. And it's just, yeah. I'm so grateful that we connected. So it I just really wanted to, is. to highlight that.
1: So yeah. Thank you for reading us for my latest
0: blog, my top five cannabis clubs. Yes. I'm definitely excited to, to check that out. Cause I've only been in pretty much spiritual rooms or uh self-development. I haven't, it didn't even cross my mind to Look at other topics. I've been, I've been very just, okay, I want to find people that speak my language. But yeah, cannabis yes. rooms would be interesting,
1: actually. Well, if you follow me, you're going to see all the cannabis rooms now. Okay, I, great. You know what I started doing? I started going in, in um, rooms where I didn't understand what they were saying, just so I could visit another country. When they first let China on, I went to China. Yep, I sat right in the audience and was in China for about 15 minutes. Somebody else came along with me and we were right next to each other. And it was like, you're traveling the world. I didn't understand a single word. And now I have people from all different countries following me. Wow. Because I just sat in the audience of a room that I just wanted to hear different languages. Wow.
0: Never thought of that.
1: That's you should brilliant. do it. That's so you brilliant. Speak Dutch, I speak, you I
0: speak should... Dutch and German. It never crossed my yeah. mind to go into a Dutch room. And I miss what speaking the language. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't go the German rooms, but I think I've been in the Dutch one. I've been in Japan. Um, wow. I've been in Italy. I've been missing out. Okay. Thank you. You
0: should just go. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've been thinking that. Oh, I miss speaking Dutch. I can understand it. I can understand German too, but my German's so rusty. I could barely hold a conversation. Oh yeah, just go in the rooms. Wow. This would be great practice. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. See, this is why I love doing... Um, podcast it's like i get yes. to learn so much so i appreciate Thanks you so before nice. we wrap up i want to plug you really quick Oh. because you've got so much going on i know you have uh, a patreon you do spiritual consultations you have an ebook a prayer workshop you do readings on clubhouse so much but everything is at the but the floor is yours yeah. let everybody they know can- how they can best support you
1: Oh, thank you so much, Tamisha. I love meeting a black woman named Tamisha from Holland. So, we'll have to talk about that. We never talked about the fact that I used to uh be I used to be in Holland quite often. I worked for an Anglo-Dutch company. I was in Dordrecht. So, The Hungry Medium. The Hungry Medium right now is a brand that's just all about helping people. The website is just the landing spot for all the things popping and going on. I do have an ebook. The introduction to it is just some simple tips on getting at least towards your path. Some people don't even know what to do. So it's just some simple things about thinking and meditating. And then then I decided to include an excerpt from a book that I'm putting together. And this is one of the chapters, and the chapter is called The Book of Bennett. And just as a teaser, the book is going to be like short stories. I can just say, if you read The Book of Bennett, you will know what kind of short stories they're gonna be. I just wanna leave it like that, because then if I give you the whole thing, you won't read the chapter. (laughs) I have a workshop coming up on uh, March 28th with an amazing spiritualist, Dr. Ioka Wiles. She's my god sister. And it's gonna be a two hour workshop on prayer, the power of prayer. No specific, it's it will have some aspects of our tradition, but really she's an amazing prayer writer. Like some people are lost for words oh. and we're gonna help you figure out what is it that you say when you pray or even when you meditate or even when you're talking to the universe. What kind of words? The power of your words. Prayer is words. Yeah, and those are my two most important things right now. Sure, you can book a reading, but I only do them on Sundays, and I only do one every Sunday. That's just the way I put the balance out there. Once again, the balance. But what's today? Tuesday, Thursday, I'll be on Clubhouse every Thursday at 9 o'clock doing oracle card readings for the community with a morning. young man that I discovered on Clubhouse, in the he morning does or the astrology. Evening. I'm sorry. Mornings or evenings. Oh, 9 p.m. I'm sorry, Eastern Standard Time. That's really all there is. We do uh, this Oracle astrology reading, and that's for the community. We ask for tips, and that's how we give back. And that's a good time. Do you hear me? A good time. Amazing. I forgot. I had two other questions I did want to ask you. I always ask
0: this from every guest. Do you have or have you always been a person of routine, uh, especially when it comes to the morning? Do you have certain things that you always do uh, that you can share with us?
1: Yes. Yes, definitely. I light all the candles for all the deities and spirits that require candles. I, I do my morning prayers with my Arisha, I have a practice. I need to say it on here because then I have to really do it. Mm -hmm. But I I noticed that Qigong is a really, I learned how to do some simple movements with Qigong in the morning. I do that to the Tibetan bowl sounds on Spotify. And that's really it. And I get ready to start my day. And then I have a cup of tea. And then I sit with a, a bunch of other spirit guides and ask them to guide me for the day. So, yes, there's definitely some routine going on every morning. It's important. Beautiful.
0: I love that. It's beautiful. Well, last but not least, you can close us out with just your words of wisdom, some advice or maybe some tools
1: that have guided you and helped you along your spiritual path thus far. Thank you, Tamisha. I would say what I really want to get through to everyone is that we all have these gifts, we all have these abilities, not necessarily to be a reader out there in the world, but to read yourself, to, to figure out your path through prayer practices and alignment with your own source and soul. And people say, how do I do that? I'm gonna say a bad word. It's a, the M word I call it. It's called meditation. And if I could just get that messaging out there, if anyone's looking to strengthen their abilities to help themselves and figure out what spirit is saying to them, the best tool out there is meditation to get started. Because there's two things you have to do. You have to start to learn what your ego sounds like. So that you can now discern, I understand... The ego sounds like my Uncle Charlie. Just So now you could hear all the other voices. That's who you should be listening to, okay? <laughs> so you know what Uncle Charlie that. sounds like. Now start listening to all the other voices. Those are the ones that are gonna be unified. Those are the ones that are gonna tell you which way to go. Those are the voices of the source, of the soul, of your ancestors and of your guides and protectors. Meditation. I hope that helps because to me, that is one of the keys to finding your path. I love it, yeah.
0: Probably every single guest has mentioned meditation as a tool or a turning point in their life. And I'm 100% on board with you. So I just wanna thank you, catthehungrymedium.com. You have been an absolute yeah. delight to have on the show, and just to get to know you, a pleasure. And I'm sure I'm going to have you on again.
1: And uh, thank, thank you. you. I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on, Tamisha. I appreciate you bye. too. Until next time. Bye bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear your feedback and thoughts on the show as well as any topics you would like for me to cover on solo episodes. Please just book a time with me using calendly.com slash letsvibe let's vibe and we can hop on a phone call. I can get to know you and connect directly. I look forward to hearing from you and until next time.